Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Five by Five. So many episodes. I know everyone's a little bit creeped out because I started this episode and that never fucking happens, but there we go. <laughs> so this week's Five by Five, we are covering our top five horror influence influence bands. bands. Yeah. Horror-themed bands, horror-adjacent bands, slash solo artists, just in case. Don't know what's on your list. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit different. We're not doing movies or TV shows for a change. We're actually going to focus on music. Um, so... Yeah, I feel like the only reason why we did this, and the reason why... Oh, well, we should probably say, uh, welcome to the episode. I'm Simon. I'm Lee. Um, as always. Um, the reason why this one came up was because this podcast kind of started from a band. Yeah, it's all Iceline's... If anyone wants to blame <coughs> anyone for this podcast, uh, you can contact Iceline Kills <laughs> and uh, let them know this is all their fault. <laughs> so as we mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast, I've always been a lifelong horror fan and Lee hates horror movies. Mm -hmm. But she got into the band Ice Nine Kills and she kind of liked a lot of the songs and liked a lot of the music um, and then hadn't really seen any of the films as like a frame of reference so I kind of suggested oh maybe we should start watching more films and then it kind of spanned on well we have a lot of conversations at home about films anyway maybe we should inflict those conversations on other people so it was natural at some point that this was going to come up as a topic so yeah um I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to write this list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what artists you've got on your list. So we'll do the same thing that we always do. We'll start with you. Mm -hmm. You can do your bottom three and your number five. And then I'll do my honourable mention number three and my number five. And then we'll go from there um, till we get to the number one. Yeah. So this list was really difficult for me because I don't listen to a lot of horror themed music unsurprisingly to anyone who knows me. Um, so some of mine are horror adjacent or have done music that could be deemed as horror music. I will say that, state that now. Okay, so my number three is, um, only because I feel like they don't actually fall into it so as your honourable mention, yeah. My honourable mention is Iron Maiden. Okay, that's interesting. Because, well, technically as far as I am aware, they don't really do horror movie based songs i feel like there is enough in their back catalogue that is horror adjacent like they've done the entire number of the beast album um and stuff like that i mean they have got horror themed songs like children of the grave uh children of, no children of the damned phantom I mean, of the opera twilight zone what i'm saying is that there's enough of a massive yeah. back catalogue that i don't know all of their songs <laughs> and there's probably some horror -y stuff in there because of the kind of band they are well number of the beast is based on the omen too so i know it is so um yeah i made it plus they did one of my all-time favorite songs and while it is not a horror movie uh they did rhyme of the ancient mariner which is one of my favorite poems and is all to do with a curse so technically i win we're going with that. Okay. Uh, number two, and I have exactly two words for why I picked this person. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Okay. Murder Ballads. Sure. <laughs> all you need is my reasoning for picking Nick Cave, I feel. That he has an entire one entire album based around Murder Ballads, mm -hmm. in which they did a song with fucking Kylie Minogue. Yeah, and I mean... In fairness. And Red Right Hand has been used in basically every horror movie trailer ever. I know that's not true, but I believe it is. So I was just about to say that it's like in every single Scream movie except for Scream 3? Potentially. So. Um, I'm probably going massively into these because these are kind of my like, they're horror adjacent, they count. And then my number one in my honourable mentions. So this is purely down to they have an entire concept album. Um, so it's a band called Versailles. In fact, I say an entire concept album. Most of their albums are concept albums. Uh, they are a Japanese visual K band. Mm -hmm. And all of 
their albums have concept out al uh, like concept to themselves uh but my favorite album by them uh i can't think what the album is called but they have an entire album that's based around a war between two immortal families okay and it's it's an experience. Let's put it that way. Like most of their, I think pretty much every single one of their albums is concept and their videos are all related around the concept. And they are just an insanely amazing band. Um, they're very like sympho symphonic metal. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I can't for the life of me think what the album is called. I own it. It's somewhere. Um, and it's literally all about this, this, the story of two... Um, rival families who are like at war with each other and they're a phenomenal band if you've never listened to them or never listened to even to just like japanese symphonic metal listen to versailles because they are fucking unbelievably good and that's my rant for versailles i'm gonna run through mine quite quickly because i don't really have a lot to say on horror bands <laughs> fair enough um, my number five though and i feel like you should have anticipated these guys would be on my list not because they are horror band-ish, but they are spooky, kooky, and weird. Twin Temples. Oh, okay. Who are... I don't really know how to explain They them. are a satanic doo-wop band. There we go. Satanic doo-wop. So all of their... Both of their albums? Or one album and the additional singles that have been released since... I can never remember which way round it is. Because it's their first album that I am in love with. Mm. Um, is all based around Satan worship. They basically... They perform, like, rituals on stage <laughs> as well. Like, they're insane. She sounds like Amy Winehouse. Yeah. If Amy Winehouse wrote songs about the devil, okay. is the best way to describe it. And there's a guy who sings with her as well. Who's her husband. Yeah, no, I know he's her husband, but... Mostly... People listen to them for her vocals. I listen to them for her vocals. And also just the lyrical content, like... Whoever, like, I would love to have been in the room where they were like, you know what we should do? Do what music, but about Satan. <laughs> and literally they went, yeah. And they perform, like, satanic rituals on stage. Yeah, it's um, like... When you see them, like, my friend has been to see them live, um, and she said they're absolutely phenomenal. She's been like, a little club in London. Mm. And, um, I think they did the jazz club in London. Yeah, that's where she saw them, the jazz club. And they are just, they're one of those bands that you don't expect. And I feel like that's really the the thing that draws you into them. It's because you see them and they look like maybe they do some kind of like weird symphonic Satan music. And then you listen to them and it's, you know, 50s doo-wop, but like praising Satan. Yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> So my my honourable mentions start off with the Godfathers of Death Metal, Cannibal Corpse. Oh fuck me, sideways. Um, again, like they're just one of the grossest, grimmest, goriest bands in the world. Um, I fucking love Cannibal Corpse so much. Um, they're a band that they took, it took me, I'll be completely honest, it took me a long time to get into them, um, just because of how fucking gnarly they are, but, but, um, yeah, I love Cannibal Corpse immensely, I think their songs, like, while not necessarily being about, like, horror movies per se, every song feels like it is a horror movie. Yeah, they feel like short horror stories, don't they? Um, and their videos are always, like, really grotesque. So, yeah, I put Cannibal Corpse on my honourable mention list. I put Ghost oh, on my honourable mention we'll list. Um, and my third honourable mention is Clippin'. I fucking knew it! Oh. Fucking knew it. Uh, David Diggs. Um, of Hamilton fame. Of Hamilton fame. Uh, they're like a horrorcore rap electronic band. Um, their newest album um, is fucking gnarly i can't remember what it's called um i had the title of it uh visions of bodies being burned yes um, it's got a song on it inspired by Candyman. there's a song on it inspired by nev campbell because it's called 96 nev campbell um fucking really good really dark band very visual when you listen to them and stuff yeah really i find myself i've never listened to them and i will still find myself humming 
um, the Candyman one. Yeah. Because you will sing it every now and then, and I'll just find myself humming it and like saying the lyrics I know, like just wandering around the house. Is they're really catchy for like the lyrical content. They are really fucking catchy. Mm-hmm. So my number five on my actual list mm-hmm. is Motionless and White. I saw that one coming. You fucking love Motionless and Tights. Motionless and White. Um. Yeah, they're kind of like a goth industrial metalcore band. Um, but they have a really like horror-themed aesthetic. Um, they have a lot of songs directly inspired by horror films on their albums. They've got songs inspired by Lost Boys, Dracula. Um, they've got songs inspired by The Neon Demon, um, Sleepy Hollow, and The Tale of the Headless Horseman. Um, they've got a lot of like really dark influences. They have a lot of horror-themed merchandise. Um, their stage show is very, uh, horror, um, and like Halloween aesthetic with like lots of pumpkins on stage and like candles. And, um, they even have a song on their, on their album called Camp Chocolatus, uh, Camp Chocolatus, which is a joke from the office because they're from the same place that the American office is set. So Chris is a massive, uh, fan of the office. And I just think like, in terms of like modern bands and the way that they present themselves, um, it's such an easy thing to kind of like listen to because there's so many different influences from other artists in there, um, and you can kind of you can hear the storytelling in their music, like the way that Chris writes his lyrics. It's very much like oh shit, I can tell what film that's about or what reference that's for, um, and. They're one of those bands where like every album is different, but they retain their identity through throughout, and you can tell like this is a motionless and white record. All of their videos are amazing. Like all of their videos are like little mini films. Um, yeah, they're a band that I would highly, highly recommend. If you're going to listen to any one of their albums, listen to Infamous. Infamous is amazing, but the newest record, Disguise, is also well worth checking out as well. Solid, excellent. So, my number four, you get three for the price of one because I was told I was not allowed to count them as separate bands. So, we have um, Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13 slash Merge Dolls slash Wednesday 13. I mean... Because <laughs> you were like, you can't have them as separate bands, babe. I mean, they're all just his backing bands. I mean, they are. They're all basically Wednesday 13 and other artists. Like... Um, in fact, even to the point that if you listen to the first Murder Dolls record, I think about half of the songs on that record are originally Frankenstein Drag Queens album um, songs. Yeah, I think Twist My Sister is. And... Yeah, um, I think potentially Love at First Fright. Um, I love to say fuck. And a few others are all originally Frankenstein. Because I have, or I don't anymore, because I don't know what happened to it. I've moved a lot since I was a teenager. But I used to have the Frankenstein Drag Queen album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into these through Merge Dolls. I went to Wednesday through Merge Dolls when I was like maybe 14. And one of my friend's older brothers burned me a copy of their CD because I just started getting into like alternative music and I'd heard him listening to Merge Dolls, so I liked it. So her older brother, who was like I think 17, was like, Here, my, uh, my sister's weird younger friend take this good child (laughs) and um i just fell in love it was like my first proper experience of being um of like really listening to i don't want to say heavier music because they're not that heavy but like more down a metal vein of music because up until that point i was listening to like i'd like i'd like got into like you know like him and stuff like that well still rock music isn't really metal so i will always have um like this little tiny piece of my heart that will belong to uh, the Merge Dolls specifically, but Wednesday 13 as a whole, because they are basically the band that got me into heavier music. Yeah. The thing with him, the thing with like Wednesday in general is I really like Murder Dolls. I really like that first Murder Dolls record in the Valley of the, the Murder, Valley Dolls. Murder Dolls. Yeah. See, that's the record. Because whenever I talk about the Murder Dolls, I now forget there's more albums because in my head there's only beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls, mm-hmm. like, that's it. Because they release, it's Men, Women and Children last, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I know, Women and Children last, yeah. like, um, years later. But you can tell, if you spend even five minutes with that guy, you can tell how much he fucking loves horror movies. 
Like, there's so many, like, references to different characters, different films, and it's not even just, like, the generic shit. Like, he's not singing about Freddie and Michael and Jason. Like, he's singing about, like, on Dead in Hollywood alone, he's talking about the tall man and Dr. Fibes and Frankenstein and Leatherface. There's so many references in that one song alone. There's a fucking song on Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls that's a love ballad about being in love with Regan while she's she's possessed in The Exorcist. You know, there's, like, a lot of songs in, like, his solo catalogue as well that are about, like, different horror characters. He created his own character, which goes through his last record, um, Necrophase. And he... That Necrophase album is fucking amazing. And, like, just from... So I got to interview him a couple of years ago for the music website that I I work on and just spending time with him, talking to him about horror movies and stuff. And like, you can tell that me and him are very similar in age and you can tell that like, he, yeah, you could tell that he grew up on the same shit and um, it's just everything. And the thing is as well, everything with him is so well thought out. Like his stage show has evolved. His music has evolved. His image has evolved. Like, all of his merchandise, everything that he does works to fit the aesthetic. And the thing is, Wednesday 13 as a person and Wednesday 13 as a performer are the same person. Like, the person you see on stage is the person he is off stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the way that he incorporates that into his music is just, like, he is the very essence of, like, a horror musician. And it's really, really interesting and really cool to sort of see how he does it. But yeah, that first Murder Dolls record is legit. Yeah, they are one of those bands that, like, even for me, like, not really watching horror movies, especially when I was younger, like, I, like, Love at First Fright, I didn't realise it was about Regan until maybe, like, four or five years later, because I've never seen The Exorcist, but I can still fully enjoy the music he produces without having seen the films that he's writing about, because he gives you just enough information that you can still grasp what it's about without actually having to have seen yeah. any of the films like he's got the American Werewolf in London song mm-hmm. and I've never seen it but I still love that song it's still a fucking great song I just didn't have the excess knowledge to know exactly what it was about yeah, but true. yeah the music is still perfectly enjoyable even if you don't like horror <clears> or don't watch them like I've never had an issue listening to a Murder Dolls or a Wednesday album without having seen the films that the songs are about but yeah, no, I would I would recommend, it. and then also the first um, Wednesday Thirteen album that I worked with, was I Walked with a Zombie album, is amazing. Is... I don't think it's called I Walked with a Zombie, but that's always what I think it's. It's uh, Transylvania Nine, which is a great fucking reference. <laughs> it's a fucking great album. Same as Beyond the Valley. Truth. Okay, your number four, babe. My number four is Ice Nine Kills. Uh, we will knock that. Because <laughs> I feel like you knew that was going to be on my list. It's yeah. quite a bit higher up for me. Okay, so number three. I feel like this might be one you knock back, actually. Okay. Uh, Misfits. Um, funnily enough, you say that. That's actually my number three as well. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, the Misfits. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point, the seminal horror band. Like, they the band that created like, horror punk. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you can run out of like super superlatives talking about this fucking band. Like everything begins and ends with the Misfits. Like the amount of bands throughout history that they have influenced, continue to influence, and like you look at like how wide-reaching their influences are. Like the amount of bands that cite them as a as inspiration, like Black Veil Brides, uh, My Chemical Romance, AFI, Alkaline Trio, fucking Metallica. Like Yeah, they've influenced so many bands. And the fact that they're still going now. Yeah. Like you can we saw them play what, four or five years ago? Six years ago now. We went and saw them perform. I mean mm-hmm. it's not the original lineup, but Misfits as a whole is still going. Which I think is a real testament to how their popularity has maintained. Because they're a fucking great band. Yeah. And again they're one of those bands you don't need to have seen the films they're referencing. No. Because they're still a fucking amazing group, either way. And the thing is, as well, like they, they, like the the great thing about the Misfits is the like the Hydra effect. It's 
the Misfits and then everything that span off of the Misfits, but everything that span off of it retains the original aesthetic of where it came from. So you look at the original lineup of the Misfits that's got Doyle, Jerry only, and Danzig in it. So then Doyle went solo and retains the devil lock, the makeup, and the look. Danzig went solo, and even though his music changed, he still has kind of a similar aesthetic to how, you know, he still has a fucking white and black skull logo, albeit a different one. And then you look at when Michael Graves took over, and then he, when he went solo, like his, you know, sound was very Misfits-esque. He was doing the same shit that he was doing when he was in the Misfits. And the thing is, the thing with the the Misfits is they um, are of a very specific era so like they are a b-movie horror punk band that sings about like fucking shitty saturday night drive-in films like they're singing about like king kong and pumpkin head and fucking yeah like like all this random shit like and they're just they are the band yeah like when it comes to like this kind of music and like all that songs are really short so you could just like you can like just throw on like a playlist worth of like a hundred bangers and it'll be like an hour. Yeah. And like they are I wanna say like they are the seminal horror. I feel like it's weird that neither of us have got them at the top because of how much A both of us love them and B how influent influential they were to the entirety of the idea of music representing horror in that way. I think also as well, like damn merchandise game. <sighs> Fucking hell, their merchandise game is through the roof. And I mean, it is a bit of a cliche now because they have, their logo has become kind of like a fashion brand. It is like one of those things like we have like, talked about. Yeah, like Joy Division and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we have talked about on previous like episodes, like bands that have crossed over into the mainstream and you'll see people wearing the t-shirts because they, they think it's cool without the knowledge of where like things come from. And, you know, whatever, wear whatever you like. Yeah, The Fiend has definitely become... But you look at like the lunch boxes, the toys, the t-shirts, mm-hmm. the posters, like the box set that's over there on the shelf. I've got a box set of all of that Danzig era work that comes in a coffin. Um, you know, it's it's the little details that like they are as much a merchandising brand as much as they are a band. Mm-hmm. And like it's just it just so happens to be that they wrote some of the most like influential records of all time. And all of their songs happen to be tied to like that horror, in some way, horror era, and they're just a fucking amazing. Band. They are an amazing band, and yeah, I cannot say enough good things about that band. But uh, air high five for us both having them at number three. <laughs> um, so we'll skip straight to my number two then, seeing as we both have the same number three. Yeah. Um, and we can discuss a band. You can discuss a band now. I feel my like I two. feel like your number two and your number one are really obvious what they are now. Yeah, my number two. <laughs> do you know which way around they are though? Yeah, I think Iceland Kills is going to be number one. And oh, Ghost is going to be number two. My number two is Iceland Kills. Oh, man, shit. My number one is Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Iceland Kills. Again, they are to blame for us making this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they've quickly moved. I only heard about them last year yeah. during first lockdown. Yeah. And they have quickly become one of my favourite bands. In fact, I'm pretty sure they are the band I own the most merchandise for. (laughs) Probably. Um, Because I just keep buying their shit because all of their merch is really cool. And also they are the band that, like, basically I was like, oh, actually, I should probably watch Nightmare. I should probably watch fucking Friday. I should probably watch, you know, all of these classic horror movies that I've never watched because I'm such a pussy. Um... And yeah, they're just a great band. And the thing is, is I enjoyed them enough as it was, again, without the context of the films. Mm -hmm. But they're just, even, like, their second album, so The Silver Scream, is all based on horror films. That's their fourth album. Their fourth album? Mm -hmm. The Silver Scream is not their fourth album. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's I always forget there's earlier shit. For some reason, I always just count the two newest albums. Yeah, I can't remember what the debut album's called. Then there's Predator Becomes the Prey. Yeah, and then uh, every there's trick the book. Every Trick in the Book. And then there's Silver Scream. Sorry, it's their fourth album, <laughs> The Silver Scream. It's all based on horror movies. But their previous album, the third album, Every Trick in the Book, is all based on... Literature. literature. And yet a good chunk of that is horror literature. And they just... I don't... I don't 100% know what it is about this band. And I will 100% percent blame Spencer Charnis because a lot of it comes down to the lyrics mm-hmm. um and like the turn of phrase used 
And the thing is, is they get away with like putting direct quotes from these books and these films into the songs and still using it in context and it's still making perfect sense. And the f fucking silver screen, the videos. Yeah, see, he he's oh. another one like um, Wednesday 13 where you can tell how much he loves horror movies because it goes into the music because like the songs, not only is it, if you're talking purely the silver screen which is the most recent album and the most horror centric you not only look at the type of films that he's picked but you look at like the little references in the songs so like there's a song on the album called merry axmas mm -hmm. which anybody that listens to this will know that it's about silent night deadly night and it's the little li little bits that he puts in the lyrics it's garbage yeah like day. he makes a reference to garbage day which is in the sequel like he makes he basically the, the the song is the plot of the film, but then if you watch the video, it's all the little references to like the orphanage, the evil nun, like the killer Santa Claus, like everything, and the attention to detail not only in the music but in the videos and in the entire presentation of the band. Like when they're playing shows, like they will all be dressed in character costumes. They have extra performers on stage to perform parts with them, and like one of my favourite things that they've ever done talking about. Um, references is the song um, Your Number's Up no 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 oh. it's uh, Rock in the Boat which is the one about Jaws a fucking breakdown because there's references not only to Predator Becomes the Prey every trick in the book and there's another reference to that own that own history in the song but the breakdown in the middle of the song is, is the, the fucking, fucking Jaws theme tune. song and it's just so clever and so well done and, like, in the hands of another band, it could come across as cheesy. But it's, like, there's there's a fine line between revering something and, like, bordering on parody. And, like, you can hear that every song, every line, every lyric, every video is done with such a level of care and such a level of attention to detail that it's, like, we're not parodying these things. Like, we are genuine fans. Like, we care so much about what we're doing. I honestly thought when you were on about that, I thought you were going to say um, your number's up because they use basically the script from the film, from the opening mm -hmm. call, to create a song. So the song is based on screen. And the lyrics to the song are basically the opening phone call between Ghostface and... What is her Casey name? Becker. Casey Becker to create a song. Yeah. And it's like, what the, who the fuck does that to begin with? It's yeah. Like, and how like, the fuck do you manage it without <laughs> it sounding ridiculous? Because it doesn't sound ridiculous. It sounds fucking amazing. I like the thing is as well, like in the Halloween one, in the song based on Halloween, Stabbing in the Dark, mm -hmm. there's a bit as it comes out of the breakdown into the, the bridge where he does the la 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 from Mr. Sandman. Yep. Which is a deep cuts reference if you've seen Halloween. There's also um, the Friday the 13th song. Uh, uh, thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank you, babe. Like there's um, multiple points during the song where they use the... Yeah. That. Yeah. And then also there's a point in the song where you, you literally hear the... Yeah, and like the uh, Great American Nightmare opens with the music that sounds similar to the Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah, uh, there's so many deep cuts in each of their songs that I didn't pick up the first time I listened to it, obviously, because I'm not a horror movie fan. And then re-listening to the album with Simon, he would be like, oh, well, this is from that movie, like this is the reference that they're making here. And like, you see them all then adding up of like, fuck, you've really put so much thought and attention into putting these little snippets of the films into your songs. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, legitimately is amazing. Like, the merchandise as well. Like, And the thing is, they did a live stream last year. Oh, my God, that live stream was good. Which was basically, like, them doing Unfriended. So it was, like, a gig, and they were all on, like, a Zoom call together, and they were all being killed by a masked mm -hmm. killer who's now, like... Called, got his own comic book. Yeah, he's got his... He's got, it's got his own comic book... And, like, just everything about this band. Like, this is... I just want to put that out there. I just want to put it out there now. I want to put it into the world. I want to put it on record. If anybody wants to help us with this, this is an open invitation for Spencer to come on this podcast and chat about music, films, whatever you want. 
And by what he means by that is for him to come on the podcast and Simon to basically talk to him about it while I just sit in a corner slowly dying because it's Spencer. Yeah, so (laughs) if anybody wants to spread the word and help us get Spencer on this podcast, you know, he kind of helped, him and his band helped to will this podcast into existence. So if you ever want to come on, chat about any films or music or whatever it is you want to talk about, the open invitation is there. Just... I will sit through any horror movie he wants me to sit through. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't like it, but I'll do it. <laughs> I feel like my top two from this point are going to be fairly obvious. So, I feel like my... I know one of them is, and I feel like it's going to be a number one. My number two is Alice Cooper. Yeah, I feel like your number one is going to be exactly what I think it is. So... Alice Cooper is like, take basically everything I said about the Misfits and apply it to a solo artist. Like, Alice Cooper is one of the coolest, most inventive, um, just wholly original musical artists around. And while not all of his music is specifically about horror movies... You know, he he has a horror-themed stage show. He did original music for a Friday the 13th movie, uh, the best one, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. He contributed the songs Teenage Frankenstein and He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask. He played Freddy Krueger's fucking dad in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Um, and, like, his music from the, the very, very start in the late 60s, early 70s, right up until now... It's just he's constantly reinventing himself and he's so responsible for so many different artists that came after him. Without Alice Cooper, you probably might not have The Misfits. You definitely don't have Rob Zombie. You definitely don't have um, Wednesday 13 and the Frankenstein Drag Queens. You definitely don't have bands like Motionless and White. You probably don't have half of the bands that went down the shock rock route that you get now. Bands like Guar, bands like Lordy, bands like... Um, as we said, things like Motionless and White, who toured with him um, pre-pandemic back in 2019. And you just look at the way that he's reinvented himself for 50 years. You know, um, he's on stage every night hanging himself, beheading himself, like murderous doll, like murderous nurses. Like he's writing songs about like, you know, poisoning people like Frank, like Trash is one of my favourite records. And I also love Hey Stupid, the song... Um, feed my Frankenstein. I saw him perform at Sonosphere back in 2010 with a giant Frankenstein behind him. And I think for someone to have, like, he's had his own comic books, one of which was written by Neil Gaiman called The Last Temptation of Alice Cooper. He crossed over with the Chaos Comics characters, which are Lady Death, Purgatory, and Chastity, and Evil Ernie, in his own set of comic books with them as well. You know, he's transcended so many different forms of media. And he is as much a horror icon as he is a musical icon. And for him to be not only still in the game 50 years later, but to be like a massive mainstream personality and a generational musician as well. Like, you know, he's someone that my parents grew up with. My grandparents probably knew who he was. Like, I've been, I've seen him in concert a few times and I've seen like grandparents with their kids, with like their kids and... You know, he is one of those artists that transcends everything and he did everything his own way. And I just think it's amazing that to have somebody that, you know, is so involved not only in like the horror world, but also in like the music world as well. And to combine the things into some sort of like weird macabre theatrical experience, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, it's going to be a sad day when he retires slash dies. You know, but I think for everything that he's given to music and for everything that he's given to that kind of lifestyle and to still be like a teetotal Christian who plays golf on the weekends and owns like a restaurant, I think is really funny. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, I nearly put Ozzy, but then I was like, Ozzy's not nearly like as horror adjacent as what Alice Cooper is. Like Alice Cooper literally made his name from like, killing himself on stage every like every night so yeah alice cooper's my number two just because i think he's fucking rad and like i love the man to death oh 
So my number one is everyone is aware because I already bumped it back. And it is Ghost or Ghost BC as they were originally known in America. No, they only became known as Ghost BC on their second record and their second record only because there was a dispute with another band. Yeah, in America. Yeah. That's what they, it was only in America they were known as Ghost BC. Mm. Um, which is why I said, or alternatively, is they were known in America. Did that album not get released over here as Ghost BC? I don't believe so. They might have been internationally, but mm. the, the name was changed purely due to an American issue. Yeah, it was on Infestizium. Infestizium. So, technically, technically... I'm not sure that they would fall into the horror genre, but I feel purely because of the fact that there is an entire fucking plotline to the band. I'm not talking albums, I mean the band itself. They deserve a place on this list and they deserve that number one spot. They have their own like weird mythology, don't they? Yep. Um, they have an entire fucking church, like a satanic church, with Sister Imperatus and all the different papas, and obviously now Cardinal, who's now another papa. Like, there is a backstory and a mythology to this band that is insane. It's next level. With, like, because you have, um, so you have, there's numerous different characters that are introduced to through this band. So you have, like, uh, Sister Imperatus, who's the head of like the satanic nuns, mm-hmm. the Sisters of Sin. And then you have, uh, so it's Papa Nils, and then it's, oh god, what are they called? It's Papa... Papa Emeritus, one, two, three, Papa Neil. Cardinal Copia. Cardinal Copia, and, and then, then Papa Emeritus, four. The fourth. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name. That's why I was like, babe, help me. I cannot pronounce that. Um, and then you have, of course, the uh, Nameless Ghouls, who are nameless but have been named by the fans, depending on their elemental symbol. Yeah. Um, And you don't... Well, we now know what the singer looks like underneath his mask. Tobias Forge. Tobias Forge, who is... Ghost is Tobias Forge. I want to be very clear with this. So it's not Tobias Forge and his band is Ghost. Tobias Forge is Ghost, and then the rest of the band are session musicians. Um, but yeah, we found out what he looked like about two years ago now. We found out it was Tobias Forge's band. Um, but we still do not know what the who the name of the schools are. They have kept that mystery alive, which I like. And that's my favourite thing about this band is we don't know who it is. And we know, like, I know apparently Dave Grohl has played. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a few, of, a few, like, famous people have played. Uh, Dave Grohl being one of them. Mm-hmm. And I like that about the band. Like, I like that it is, um, as Tobias Forge has said in, in interviews, like, it was about the art, not the people playing it. Yeah. And that's what's really wonderful about this band. And also the fact that they managed to make music that sounds somewhere between ABBA and Black Sabbath about <clears> Satan. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, it's, it's, it's this music is ABBA and Black Sabbath having sex while praising Satan. That is what this music is. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah, another band that's got like weirdly massive and like weirdly successful by being like super niche. But I think it's because they have that like accessibility to them that like you can play them on the radio and like they are, their songs are super fucking catchy, their songs are super well written. There are like elements of the band where they sound like Queen. Like he is a funny fucker. Like when you go and see them live, he is. So funny as like a front man. Well, it was really weird because when we saw them live, so we saw them play at um, Royal Albert Hall. The Royal Albert Hall. And I remember like during the show, you were like, oh my god, like Cardinal is so funny. Like, look what he's doing. I was so distracted by the nameless schools <laughs> because they are fucking hilarious. And it's just because you don't know who they are, they can do whatever the fuck they want, stupidity-wise, on stage, and not have to worry about, oh, but, like, what are people going to think of me doing shit like this? And they, like, chase each other and shit, and, like, it's just fun. Seeing them live is so fun, and seeing them live in in a location like the Royal Albert Hall, which is... Uh, it's now used as a, a general concert venue, but it was start. It was an orchestral venue originally. Mm-hmm. And seeing a band like Ghost play in somewhere that is, it's a little bit like a a religious place for music. I think it's a good way to explain the Royal yeah. Albert Hall. And hearing them do oh fuck, I can't think what the song is, 
But the song basically opens with Gregorian chanting of demon names. And an entire hall full of people, and it's a massive capacity venue. It is not a small venue. Filled to the rafters, chanting demon names is... Honestly, it's probably as close to a religious experience as I'm ever actually going to yeah. get, because I'm not a religious person. But to see so many people there, and all of them basically take part in chanting different names for Lucifer <laughs> um, is amazing. And the, the, the level of effort, I guess, put into this music to make it seem religious mm -hmm. to a degree is amazing. And also, um, Ghoulair slash Zombie Queen uh, played acoustically with our fucking kazoo. Yes. Will yes. live eternally in everyone's memory. Or the fucking acoustic... So on YouTube, you can find a lot of acoustic sets. There's an acoustic set where they're in like a record store, I think, and they're playing um, Cerise, and the ghoul fucks up uh, the guitar. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure um, Cardinal, or I think it's Papa at the time, turns around and threatens to send him back to hell. And they're just a fun band, and they play, they're really playful with the idea of what they are as well, which I really like. I love that they're not, they don't take themselves overtly seriously. Yeah. And I just, I just think that like, it's one of those weird things. It's like it is metal, but it's also like metal you can play for your mum. Like I mean, your mum loves. My mum really likes Ghost. Uh, my mum likes a lot of weird music, to be fair. But my mum, I played Ghost to my mum, and she was like, "Oh, I really like this," which I kind of wasn't expecting. But it, I think it's because it's kind of non-offensive. In like, I mean, depends on your religious views, but. It's not, not like, it's not like it's not like overly heavy. It's not like hectic music. It is kind of like it's well written, like theatrical goth rock. Um, yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah, I've seen them a few times um, on different album cycles and stuff. And I, I'm constantly impressed by the way that that band reinvents themselves, um, but manages to like retain the core elements of who they are as a band. Yeah. And their last record, Prequel, that came out in 2017, is one of my favourite records of the last five years. Mm -hmm. And it's a genuine 10 out of 10 record as well. It's an amazing record. But yeah, they're one of those bands that I feel like if you know who they are, you were probably into them. If you've never heard of them, they're a band I would recommend. Um, but do be prepared for the fact that the singer never looks the same. Yeah. Because they basically, so they kill the... It's the same person, so it's still Tobias Forge, every album. But they kill the character off. So was it last year they killed off Papa Neil? Yeah. Um, and Cardinal Copia rose to be the new Papa Emeritus the third, the fourth. Um, which sounds insane when you say that out loud in the it's real world. It's just mental when you think about um, like. But yeah. apparently, um, just as a side note, Papa Neil's. Is you know Multigal, the one who plays the tambourine and shit at the side of the stage? Yeah. It's the same person oh, okay. who does uh, Papa Neil's and Multigal. I didn't know that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Just as a side note <laughs> for shit you might need to know about this band, there's, there's a Multigal slash Swiss Army Gaul, I think is what the fans refer to him as. And then there's the two Gaules, mm -hmm. um, who are the Lady Gauls, and then there's like the four, four other Gauls. Yeah. Uh, two guitarists, a bassist, and a drummer. Yeah, there's about seven of them, I think. Yeah. Or... So they're quite fun to see live because they're such a big band and they do... They make a production of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I would recommend looking up and then performing live, which is always amazing to see, especially when we saw them with the stained glass windows of the previous Papas. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, that's my number one. I could go... I think we could both go on for hours <coughs> and why um, Ghosts are a great band. So. Yeah. We'll stop now. But um, that was my number one, was Ghost. My number one... <sighs> Rob Zombie? Is going to live through the witches. Burn. Burn through the witches. Live, laugh, love. Was it live live through the ditches, love through the witches, burn, burn. in the back of my driveway? Dracula, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get that cross stitch and I will make it for you to go up in the house. It's it's my main man, Bobby Z. I, I fucking knew. I've been new, man, that this was going to be fucking Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't dislike Rob Zombie. He's just not somebody I really listen to. Um, Bar Dracula, which I hear quite regularly. I've been obsessed with Rob Zombie since I was about 
12 years old. Um, I fucking love Rob Zombie. Now, I hear all of the criticisms about Rob Zombie, about how he's a one-trick pony, about how all of his music sounds the same, about like how he's not a very good filmmaker, he only knows how to do one thing. And I'm not being funny. If you could do something as well as he does it, like you would just continue to do it all the time. Yeah. Like Slayer have made the same record for 30 years. ACDC have made the same record for 40 years. Doesn't make either of them any less awesome. Um, the thing I love about Rob Zombie is much like I said about... Um, Spencer from Ice Nine Kills and Wednesday 13 is Rob Zombie lives and breathes this life. Rob Zombie's house looks like a fucking attraction. At it looks a... like a horror museum. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like the thing is Rob Zombie again everything with him is all in the finer details like his music videos his music his album covers the artwork his like Everything about Rob Zombie is just about being Rob Zombie. And, you know, you listen to them, like, from from the days of White Zombie, when they've got songs that are, like, based on horror films. He uses, like, quotes from horror films, like, genuine, like, pieces of, like, audio from horror films in his, like, songs. You know, he's he wrote a fucking song about bloody Grandpa Monster's car, for fuck's sake, from the Monsters, Dragula. Um, there's not really a huge amount I can say about Rob Zombie. Like, he's one of my, probably my favourite people in the entire world. I find him absolutely fascinating. I love watching him be interviewed about music and about films just because he is so intelligent and he's so passionate about anything that he's making. And just, I was fortunate enough to meet him when I went over to Comic-Con in San Diego back in 2009. We were walking around the convention centre and we found out he was going to be there signing posters for Halloween too. And I remember like getting up to him and being in front of him and just be like, I came all the way from the UK for like this event. And um, he was like, oh, well, we better make sure this picture comes out like right. And it's just even small things like that. It's just like, you didn't have to do that. But he's like, he took his time, like made sure that my picture came out like good and like just had a chat with me. And, you know, like he's someone whose career that I will continue to follow and there's things like there's albums that he's made that I don't like. There's like films that he's made that I don't like. But I'm always excited for what the next thing is. And I think it's very rare to have a career that he's had and to still be so in control of everything that you do. And it shows like he is in, in control of every aspect of his music, of his image, of his merchandising, every single thing is 100% pure, unfiltered Rob Zombie. And, like, I've seen him live a few times, and I never thought I would ever get to see him live. And seeing him live, I think I'm going to use a quote from Alice Cooper here, because Alice Cooper says it best. There's a line of notes in the Greatest Hits collection where Alice Cooper says, watching Rob Zombie live is like watching every drop of colour in a tattoo parlour come to life. And I just think that's such a fucking great way of describing him. And, you know, you go and see him live and there's fucking giant robots and fire and zombies and just all this insane shit. And, like, I think out of everybody in the world who, like, I listen to or I look up to and respect, I think the fact that he's, like, nearly 40 years into his career and he just doesn't give a fuck is one of my favourite things about him. And... Yeah, it's it's just I can't really describe why I like him so much. You either do or you don't. But in terms of like the reason why we would put him on this list, you know, you just his name's Rob Zombie for a start. Legally, he legally changed his name to Rob Zombie. Um, and then like you just look at like his fucking songs. They're about werewolves and zombies and vampires and. He's got a fucking song about Nazi werewolves, for Christ's sake. And, you know, it's just just insane. Like, he lives and breathes a horror lifestyle. And I don't think there's anyone quite like him at what he does and to the level to which he does it. And, like, I said this to you the other day, but, like, this is such a nerdy thing that I did. Like, I got to interview Piggy D when they did their first UK tour in, like, 20 years or whatever it was. And the website I was writing for at the time, we all got to pick our own nicknames. And I picked the nickname Astro Creep purely because it's the name of the second white zombie record 
just so when that interview got picked up, I would have my name with something associated with him in it in an interview that I did with someone in his band. And that's the level to which I am a fucking nerd for Rob Zombie. But, you know... I wish you could all see his face. Like, I'm really <laughs> gutted that this is, like, all verbal for you guys because you can't see how cute his face looks while you talk about Rob Zombie. You know when you when you see things and people are like, oh, I really wish my boyfriend would look at me the way that cat looks at food. I wish my boyfriend would look at... I wish my husband would look at me the way he looks when he's talking about Rob Zombie. Because <laughs> um, I don't get that face. Rob Zombie <laughs> does. <laughs> So, yeah, Rob Zombie's my, my number one. Aww, so, there you go. Cute. Adorable. <laughs> well, that was a, a massive... I love how we went through the first few really quickly, and then as it got further into the list, we were like, now listen to us talk for 20 minutes about why we fucking love this band. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, please, I don't even know what you normally say at the end of an episode. So just come join us on Instagram. Um, and Tumblr at So I Married a Horror Fan or on Twitter at S-I-M-A-H-F-Pod Yes um, Let us know who your favourite horror based artists are if there's anyone we missed that you think should have been on there if there's artists you listened to that we didn't mention like please feel free to let us know um, and thank you for listening to us Yeah what we'll probably do once this has been out a couple of days is we'll post a like a list of like albums by each artist that we recommend. We'll put a little playlist together. Yeah, we could put a playlist together of like some of the songs and we'll just link it into like our, our bio or we'll link it onto yes, the... Yes, let's so, do that. That sounds fun. Um, and then next episode that you'll get from us will be on Monday, which will be a deep dive look at the 25th anniversary of The Craft. Yes, bro! So we will be back then. Take care of yourselves. Speak to you in the next one. Bye! Bye!